The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald and you're listening to Blethered on the Big Light Network. My guest is George Bowie. George Bowie is the undisputed king of breakfast radio in Scotland and has transcended generations, decades and even genres. From keeping you company in the car on the way to school to providing the tunes during the pre-drinks on a Saturday night, he's been a perpetual presence and one that will remain for a long time to come. We chat about George's first rudimentary DJ lessons as a teenager in his dad's club while the DJ nipped off for a drink. George reflects on his start at Radio Clyde in somewhat understated circumstances, plus his very brief departure to a rival radio station in Scotland. And we chat about the popularity of the GBX, winning over George Michael, Ibiza Madness at the Highlander, and so much more. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it or leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, as it's a great help. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt senior debt advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. Cheers. Is it disconcerting to you to be relinquishing a wee bit of control and you're kind of at my mercy? <laughs> exactly, because you're doing the edit, not me. <laughs> Asking the questions. It's fine. No, it's fine. The... Uh, as with a lot of these interviews I do like to be biographical and I hate to do that whole let's go back to the start so I'm not going to do that but the first question I've got is do you think showbiz and entertainment was kind of in the blood because I believe your mum still owns to this day the garage yeah rents and, it out your and, dad had a talent agency owned clubs owned clubs and you have done your research that's impressive <laughs> he owned clubs he owned what is now the garage uh, he owned the penthouse, which is a club above the Apollo. This is how I get into DJing. I mean, I've probably heard this story before, but when, when I was a wee kid, when I was like 15 or whatever, my dad used to take me up to the clubs and I was too young to stand in the door or at the bar. So the choice was um, the DJ box or the cloakroom. So mm-hmm. boom, in the DJ box, that's how it started. And that was at the Mayfair Club, was that it? That was the Mayfair Club back in the 80s. Now, this, I found this really interesting. You're talking about the DJ box and the DJ black. Listen, I want to go away and get smashed. So I've gone get a swally. Here's how you bought the, the tunes. That was, yeah. that was your, your first lesson and he said I'll show you how to do it and he showed me how to do it and I was like wow that's this is great this is really exciting now we go into school on a Monday and they say what were you doing the weekend oh I was uh, DJing a club in the town ah, I told you what nobody would believe <laughs> know, you they bothered Jay for the in between us heard it mate <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it was so yeah uh, it was cool. The I found this really fascinating. So I'm I'm a total history nerd. Or mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated with buildings and the history of buildings. So I always see something. And I think what was that? And it's original use. Now, if anybody's ever been to the garage and you've been on a night out in there, and up the very top you've got the what's known as the attic, which yep. is like the end of the room. Your dad lived in there. He lived in there when he was a wee boy. Um, because they had ballroom dancing back in the day. So obviously the clubs would shut at ten o'clock at night or whatever, and the family would just live upstairs and just run the ballroom as mm-hmm. it was downstairs. I mean, I, I can imagine living in the garage. I know. Well, <laughs> imagine doing that now. Imagine uh, Donald McLeod living in there now. <laughs> just up the stairs. Imagine, I know, you're pushing through the door trying to find the toilet and you walk in, there's a guy in his pants just kind of watching exactly, TV. Exactly, it's been there all night. Well, Got locked in. See, to be fair, I've been to a few parties up before. I will. Uh, oh, sorry, mate. Wrong room. Um, 1990, Glasgow's named European City of Culture. Mm-hmm. At what? How long had you been DJing before that point? Well, I mean, I started DJing like proper DJing about 87, but I started like messing about in the Mayfair from about 83. Mm. So I'd been DJing for a while, but I'd been DJing like for, for a living professionally after leaving school and all that, about 87. Mm. And I'd, I'd been working for John Burns, you know, John? No, uh, he had like an agent. He still does now, JBD, and he, he supplied like DJs for pubs and clubs and all right, that. Right, still okay. going, still pals him now, and um, I he gave me a job and I was working for him, 
Um, so I started off in my dad's clubs and then I went to kind of do my own thing. So I'd been DJing properly for about three years by the time Year of Culture came about. But I'd been working at Clyde for about two years, started there in 88, mm. but not on air, just behind the scenes. Aye, I'm keen to talk about that because there's a wee bit of... So I think there's a bit of serendipity about how you kind of ended up working there and we'll, we'll come to that with mm-hmm. dropping off the jet, the demo for that comedian. Aye, um, but wait, in 1990, do you think... So they had like a five o'clock licence Yes. at that point. I wish they would keep that, by the way. Oh, to How see good if, would that be? Well, it, good if you're going out for a night clubbing, but see if you're a DJ, it's hell on there. Aye. Because you, you, you were in there from like nine, ten o'clock till five in the morning. And sometimes some of us were working six, seven nights a week. It was murder. And of course, everyone still went home about three o'clock. Nobody stuck about till five in the morning. Aye, that's true, actually. I, think I, mean, I, would, I, would, still be, I would still be there. Aye, I'd be you would still be there. Bar. I would probably still be there too. There's a few of us that would still be there. But the hardcore ones. Few, <laughs> few and far between. But I think before COVID, did they not try that? Did, uh, this seems to be forgotten about, but I'm sure just before COVID, they did a four o'clock licence thing. Mate, well, do you know, that actually makes sense because I remember... And it's reopened, kind of, and they've changed it and remodelled or whatever, but the Corinthian club down the stairs. Aye. I remember being in there and being like, here, it's about half four in the morning, or it's four in the morning, like, what's going on? And I, in my steaming state, I was like, oh, they must have just not realised the time, like, as if that, <laughs> that <laughs> would happen. Would do that. <laughs> but they had a casino <clears throat> licence in the ah, Corinthian, and that's why they were allowed to open late. Because they get it taken off them, because I used to go to the Corinthian to about six in the morning, and then I remember reading... That in so in a three hundred and sixty five day period there was something like twelve hundred serious assaults were recorded. That they, right? they might not appreciate me sharing this, but no. it's in the public domain. <laughs> if I remember thinking, going, hold on a minute, right? So it's not open seven days a week. So say it's open three nights a week. So that's probably about forty assaults a night. So they get their they get a license. They get their license taken off them. Aye. Um, but then I think they've managed to somehow get it back. I love that. I love places that open that late. Well, Aye. My, my head does not the next day right enough it's not it's good if you like we used to do that like if you were doing the show the next day and you're out you could just go somewhere like that and just go mm. straight to work well the thing I was going to say about the European city of culture thing was with things opening to five in the morning a bit of an emphasis on nightclubs do you think did that help you did that propel you a wee bit with the type of music you were into because I suppose it was around about that time that Glasgow's tastes have kind of shifted yeah. somewhat yeah, I mean that that was kind of like the tipping point. I don't. I think it would have happened anyway, whether it was a year of culture or not. Mm. I think it was a bit like you know, whether it was a punk movement in the seventies. That was before my time, so I don't know. That was a big change, and I think like nineteen ninety was probably eighty nine ninety was a big change for the whole rave scene, mm. and then Scotland found its own identity with, with its own dance scene. Mm-hmm. Then going back to so to Radio Clyde, you've just is it. 25 years you've just celebrated well there. that was on the breakfast on show the breakfast I've, I've show. actually started the Clyde this is terrible I started the Clyde in 88 that's mental so it'll be like 35 years and I love next year so I, I love these wee stories because I always wondered and, and I have got a kind of question and that was if you think you became a product or of your of your environment and the clubs and that pushed you towards DJing and wanting to be in radio or did your environment just accelerate something that was a wee bit predestined and the reason I mean that about being predestined so is it your dad's asked you to go and drop off a tape for the comedian do you know what I've actually got his, his name, name was Ben Ben Gunn aye so he's dead now but he, he was a comedian that my dad managed and I that that was basically it. I just passed my driving test and he said oh drive down Radio Clyde and drop off this because I think Andy Cameron was doing a show on Radio Scotland mm-hmm. and Clyde wanted something similar my dad said oh I've get, I'll get Ben to do a demo so Ben Gunn, this comedian, did a demo and he said, drop that off at Radio Clyde. So I went down and um, said to this guy, John McCalman, who was the head of production at the time, my dad said to drop that tape in. He said, oh, do you want a wee tour with you here? I said, oh, I've always... It's really weird, Sean, because see, when I was away, and I just... I never wanted to be in the telly or I never wanted to be like working in theatres. My mum worked in television and my dad like, worked in theatres and stuff. I never wanted to do that. For some reason, I always wanted to be in the radio. Because when I used to have a wee recorder and record myself and stuff. <laughs> so it was a bit... Strange, so I was quite obsessed. So I went down. And I said, oh, "I'd love a tour." So he's given me a tour. I said, "I'm DJing at the moment. Some of the pubs in town." I said, "I'd love to do radio one day." I said, "Obviously, I can't just go straight in the radio. But if you're ever looking for someone to to run tapes in the background mm. or whatever, I'd love to do it." And they were stuck. They just sacked someone, and they said, "Could you do a shift tomorrow?" Do you know? <laughs> do you know? Day five p.m. to six a.m. Yes, five p.m. to six. <laughs> was that not enough to put you off it for life? No, because I was young and keen. You know what it's like. Yourself. You get your break, and it, it doesn't matter what the time. It doesn't even matter what the money is. You're just like, okay, that's my foot in the door. Aye, right enough. And 
there, I've got a million quests I'm trying to figure out where to start was that at the time did you meet Tiger Tim at that first well, point because he was Tim? a wee bit of a mentor aye he, he was a wee bit of a mentor he was a good lad he's still a great guy um, I, he did gigs for my dad so he, he used to come into my dad's clubs mm. so I kind of knew him and I would so because my dad had this club the penthouse that was above the Apollo which was kind of like it was the big concert venue in Glasgow. Had people like Queen and all that. Kind yeah, of Queen played, played it, and yeah, loads of acts with David Bowie and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, my dad would, was always able to sneak me in somehow, and Tim would be there a lot. So I got to mm. know him from from just going to concerts, and sometimes we'd come up to the club upstairs and all that. So I kind of knew him a wee bit before I started. So people like that being helpful and supportive has because I think you've got a reputation for being very helpful and supportive of people coming up behind you. I think because that happened to me, and I Aye. know how much of a difference it makes. I know so. it's, it's great. Funny as well, the other people you encounter, Dougie Donnelly, the did sports scene. Did he not knock you back? He did knock me back. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see that there was a thing on uh, Facebook years ago, and it's like Dougie Donnelly's hair looks like a packet of uncooked super noodles. Yes. And it, it does. It generally how does. does. How does he get his hair like that? Very polite him for still having that hair after all these years, right <laughs> enough. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't. I don't think it. I just felt that he, what I was doing was not what he was doing. Aye. He was very kind of like you, you were making jokes before we came on about doing the the broadcasting a shirt and tie and stuff. But that's basically what he would have what done. You know after. what I mean? It's a bit like that. Was it at that point as well? I've heard you say, and I've actually had these words come out of your mouth that there was an expectation that people on radio would be like, hi there guys, like, welcome, we're doing the drive time, you're going yeah. to have some tunes and that just isn't you. Yet, were you just not fitting into that mould at all? I was just not fitting into that mould at all. It's, I didn't want to be the, hi, I'm a DJ with a mid-Atlantic <laughs> accent and everything's great when sometimes it's not great and sometimes Aye. you've got to tell them it's not great. It's, I, sometimes I go too far, like sometimes I'll get pulled up to never slag off the music but if you don't like something why lie I know. it doesn't mean it's bad it just means that you personally don't like like I hate Maroon 5 right but you play Maroon 5 on the radio all the time because people like them it's not about what I like it's about what you like that is that is good well, do you know what that is I think shows you as being an even better presenter a conduit for that to go look I know you just want to hear this but ah. I hate it but I'm still ah. going to play it because you're what's most important exactly I'm going to go make a cup of tea when this is blasting out enjoy it you see if I, was, if I was in the radio and if I was able to choose I'd be like listen we're a plain Doctor Hook and then it's going to be Elvis and you're going to like it and if you don't you'll get into it because you'll be hearing it every day I know I'm going to just keep playing it um, you you started the after afternoon show around 91. Was that just like a drive time? Was was radio formulated in the same way that it is now? No, it was totally different back then. It was it was the shows were really short back then. It was great back then actually. I mean it's great now. It's, I'm I'm probably having more fun now than I've ever had. Mm. But looking back, it's like I used to, my first apart apart from doing the through the night shift, my first show was in the afternoons. Uh, from 12 to 2 I mean how cushy is that guy ah, it's easy isn't it you know what I mean you turn up about 11 o'clock be back in the house for 3 and that was your job it was back, class back in time for countdown aye you know what I mean neighbours and all that this is class that would be amazing <laughs> what was it What was it like you know the way people talk about journalism this, you know, or, so it's journalism and working in the airline industry and being like they were the glory days because you had unregulated expenses you had these mental nights out there was a lot of money put in for entertainment was it kind of like that? Or it was, was it... like that. I, I was talking to someone about this uh, just last week. You know, Billy Sloan. I was like, I did a thing with Billy Sloan before well, a few years ago, actually. Well, Billy, I've told you some great stories as well. I mean, Billy's been a lot longer than me, but we're, we've been pals for a long, long time. And we're just talking about the olden days. Uh, <laughs> a couple of pensioners here. <laughs> the olden days, remember? It's a, but how um, we used to have like big parties and all that in, in Clyde. They used to go down and they had this big canteen upstairs, which, which had a bar in it. And every Christmas would go and they'd have it like 60, 70 people spread out over one big table and you would all get fed turkey and Christmas pudding and all that kind of stuff and then everyone would get a present it would be like a ghetto blaster or a radio alarm or a stereo or something it was, mm. it was crazy back then The uh, there was, I mentioned to somebody that I was going to be chatting to you and he mentioned and I'm not going to name him because I would never do that to Daryl Broadfoot. He's a good pal oh, of mine. He's a good lad. But uh, he said, ask about uh, Christmas. Uh, it was Christmas parties or after parties at Paul Cooney's flat at his swimming pool. Can no, you... the, the swimming pool's at Radio Clyde. Oh, it's, there's, there's a, a, swimming, a pool. swimming pool at Radio Clyde. Wait a minute. Who told me? Somebody told me about this. Oh, somebody went. No, it's a pal of mine. Does, um, he walks offshore. And he has to do training. Yeah, like, that, that's I, what they did. What happened was, what, what happened with the swim pool was, it was there um, for the staff, and it's the kind of thing that everybody used 
for the first two weeks or something, and then nobody bothered with it. Aye. It just became a novelty. I so there's a pool. Yeah, there's a pool, and it's still there to this day. Um, who's the guy that's got it now? So what? Well, what happened with the training thing was the the pool wasn't getting used, and it was just like drained, and it was just lying there. And then somebody said they were looking for somewhere to do offshore training, like you were saying with the, with the wee boats and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, and freezing cold water. So they put the temperature of the water down, and they used it for for training purposes. So it isn't actually open to us now, but it's still there. And they've moved on. They get their own place. But it's that guy. Is it Michael Jameson? Is that the guy's name? Swimmer. He get mentioned yesterday as well by Gordon Smart. I, the Olympic swimmer, he grew he's up next to me. He's taken it all over. Has he? And oh. he's got a swim school in there, so he teaches that because it's not a very deep pool. It's about four feet deep, right, so okay. it's perfect for for people that are just learning to swim. Aye. And I think he, he gets a good turn off of kids, you know, learning to swim. What are the chances of that? So, so I see we sidestepped all the all the mental uh, Christmas parties. Was there was there any? There must, there have, been, there must that, have been something. The, the, there was always that rumour that the, the Christmas parties ended up in the swimming pool but they generally didn't it was ah. never that, like that's a, that's a good rumour it's like oh <laughs> George Bowie and Tiger Tim and Balcony and all these people in the swimming no that's that's unfortunately I'll, not true I'll it's not like propagate. the Playboy so, Mansion I wasn't like the, the video for Club Tropicana right? yeah it was nothing like yeah. we would use the swimming pool for like Maybe a swim after a show or something, but after a while you, you wouldn't use it. But no, there wasn't any wild parties in it, unfortunately. I like to, I mean, that's a rumour and I like to propagate rumours. Yeah, I think I think they're funny, but here's another one. And I will preface this by saying, this isn't you. Okay. You know, I wonder if you know what I'm going to say. This is not you, it isn't But if I say, <laughs> snudge. What right. does that I don't make know you who think that of? guy is. <laughs> this is some guy, Rab Corbett, is that right? Rab Corbett, and if for anybody that's not heard them, I actually implore you, I advise you, I encourage you to go onto YouTube and type in the Paisley tapes. And it was these people that would just phone people and get wide with them and record it and Random put it out. And, Guys for Paisley. Aye, and uh, very, very, very funny. But could have got you in a lot of trouble if people thought it was you? If they thought, which I always get accused of being, and... If I was the guy that did it, I would be absolutely raging because it looks like I'm trying to steal his thunder and I'm genuinely not. It wasn't me. <laughs> aye. But there is a guy out there raging. These and tapes. it's not just snudge. It's like, aye, they, phone, they, phone, <laughs> they basically phone up guest houses, boxing clubs, garages, and just start an argument. And the person would obviously would uh, would take the bait on it. But it's, it's something I find hilarious, like wind-ups that I've, I've spoke about with Toby Tarrant and at Radio X. You are comparing our, our favourite... Uh, Phone wind-ups Do you remember Well of course you remember For fuck's sake You did it But that make your dad mad thing Aye aye absolutely that, Who came up with the idea How long that, did you do it for We did it for a couple of months and ever. Actually I did it for a couple of years What am I talking about And the reason we stopped doing it Was because it became too popular Aye And everybody knew Aye So I would be like Obviously I'm like Doing the radio every day Doing the GBX Doing the gigs Try to run a recording studio Try to make music Remix for everyone So I need time and what had been like setting a couple of hours aside a week to, to do a Make Your Dad Mad call turned into three or four hours every day trying to get a Make Your Dad Mad mm. call because every dad would go, I very good put George on, you know what I mean? <laughs> so eventually right. it became too well known and, and we just, we couldn't do it anymore. And I thought, do we leave it and maybe come back to it another day or do, do we just leave it and say, rather than water it down, because the, the ones that we were doing the, the great ones that, that we thought we were going to get that we got at the start we couldn't get any more because he knew us so mm. we were getting a kind of towards the end you were getting it's more kind of watered down and I'm thinking I would rather just end it now and have people remember it for being great than just we milked it to death sort of Aye, thing you know what I mean probably a good point was for anybody that doesn't know so it was make your dad mad and you would basically just wind people up would you they be... would wind their dad up and I would come in you oh, know what I mean right. it'd, be, Aye, it'd Aye. be a bit like that it'd be like you know uh, I've ran out of petrol uh, but this guy's gonna. This mechanic's gonna put petrol in it, and the guy will go, "Don't put petrol in it. It's a diesel car." And I'm like, "No, no, it's all right. Man. I know why you think it's a it's a diesel car, but it's petrol." And there was, and stuff like that, and they would start screaming and whatever. There was one I remember. I remember honestly, nearly passing it for laughter, and it was. I think Alassie had. She said she was in the garage, and her, her car was. Um, her tires were flat. She's going to. The mechanic was going to put premium air for four hundred quid, and the guy screaming down the phone like, "Want to know where they are?" Oh man, I'm going to. Go. Can you find them on YouTube? Yeah, they're, they're all on YouTube. I think some of the guys did what 
one of the guys in the, the IT department did a couple of videos for them as well. You know, those kind of like phone jackers type videos, which oh, was right. pretty funny. So I'm sure there's a few of them on YouTube. We did an album as well. We did an album for Cash for Kids, did a you? CD, which is pretty good. We just all the kind of best ones. With Cash so for cool. Kids, you do a hell of, I've heard you say you do one one charity gig a week, or at least you try to. I try to do a charity gig a week. It's just... It's one of these things, you know. Now you're going to get everyone getting onto me. It's not oh, sorry, no, it's fine. It's He's fine. Fully it's booked. No, no, it's, he hates I no. It's it, I, sometimes you get people like pulling you up, and I understand why because there's a lot of people that that aren't as lucky as I am. Don't have yeah. the radio during the day <clears> and don't have the gigs at night. So if they are going to do a charity event, if they are going to give up a time and whatever then they've got to charge for it because mm-hmm. they've got a mortgage to pay and all that. And I totally get that. But I, I'm lucky I'm in a privileged position where I don't need to worry about that. So if a charity comes to me and says, will you do a gig? I won't charge them for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just because of, I, I'm quite happy with, with, with what I've got at the moment. So I, I, I couldn't live with taking money off a charity. But there's a lot of people that, that that's their career. That's what they that's have to do. I know, it's fair enough. You can, so, probably, you can strike a wee balance, I aye. suppose. Like, don't say I'm going to charge you the top rate. Aye, exactly. You know what I mean? So so people will do discounts. But um, I, I try to do a charity. I, I try to do 50 a year. So it normally works out at one a week. But aye. not just for cash for kids, for for every aye, type for of charity. And, you know, sometimes listeners will get in touch and say, you know, one of my pals is... Um, kids really ill need, they need to raise money to go to America for a, an operation or whatever could you come down and play some tunes for mm. an hour a wee night and I'll, I'll do things like that as well but it's just it's fun as well it's, just, it's not proper work Sean you know what I mean it's not like right. I'm going out and building a building site in the pouring rain or something like that you know what I mean actually putting a shift in I'm just going out and having fun doing what I do I don't know why it's just kind of sprung to mind there but there's a do you ever watch Lemmy? Aye, aye, aye. So when Lemmy does Falkenhoof and he's like, he's f- the thing where people fall and they try, uh, call in, sorry, and they try he guides and, them. Aye, guides them through their quest to try and, and uh, I always thought it was money. his best sketches. So I did I, so did I. And there was one where somebody phones in and uh, he's asking, he's like saying to the guy, so what, what are you phoning? What are you going to spend the money on? And the guy's like, oh, well, Christmas is coming up, you know, and it's really tough and I'm, I'm trying to get some money and Falkenhoof, you see a wee glint in his eye and he's like, right, okay. So he's helping them through and he's like, just basically completing it for them. And you can hear like the, in his earpiece and they're going, what are you doing? Like, stop. And he gives them all the money and wins them 10 grand and he's like, traveller, like, I've helped you get the money. He's like, what are you going to spend it on? And he says, oh, well, I've just bought my son a new Audi so I can get him the alloys now. I've not seen that one. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Um, the way, the GBX, I suppose, I would like to kind of touch on that. Was that, did it, st- that started off as the, the GB experience and then changed, because it changed to Smirnoff when you kind of, um, it was a GB experience, right? So that's what obviously GB because you get people going, What does GBX stand for? And I said, Well, it was a GB experience. Bobby Hain that gave you the idea. It was Bobby Hain. Tom Wilson was doing something on Radio Forth, and I had loads of mates who were driving to Heart Hill and just sitting in the car park oh, listening yeah. to Radio Forth on a Saturday night. Mental, right? So that was, nice. That's what they were doing. So they were having wee raves and like, like Heart Hill car park. There'll be people of a certain generation nodding to this because I'm talking like. Early nineties, just we're talking about earlier with the, the rave scene building up and stuff. Heart Hill was mobbed just with cars, and they would just all go because you couldn't get Radio Forth in Glasgow. Mm. So, so you would go um, halfway to Edinburgh and just park a car and just have a party. And I said, "Why are we not doing a show like that?" And that's the type of music I was into because obviously I'd, I'd been DJing in the clubs and mm. what have you. So that you could see there was a whole Scottish scene coming through and Clyde weren't representing it. And and Bobby, in fairness, took a chance, you know what I mean? He said, well, uh, let's try it and see what happens. And it, it just blew up. It was great. And haven't really looked back since. I mean, there were some bumps in the road, like the Smirnoff thing you're saying. Um, they changed it to the Smirnoff experience. Smirnoff sponsored it. So mm. um, Clyde monetized it and thought, oh, I'll get, get, well, understandable, it's a business. Yeah. We'll get Smirnoff to sponsor it. But then they came in and they started calling the shots a wee bit. And it was kind of like, well, I'd, I'd moved to the breakfast show by this point, and it was like, let's not have a breakfast show presenter doing it. Let's get a club DJ in to do it. So they brought some club DJs in. And it didn't really work because club DJs weren't used to talking on the radio, you know what I mean? I've heard you talking about this before, Aye. about talk, like you would talk over, and it, t- it does take confidence, doesn't it, to, in a, a room full of steaming, raging people, well, not raging, but um, volatile, let's say, to then to then start speaking, but to be able to do it and do it in a commanding way as well, and just yeah, get my notice. But the, but I, I but on the radio, it's like you'll know yourself. I mean, 
if you're not used to talking into a mic, it's going to be different. If you're a mixer in a club, Aye. a lot of DJs will just go in and just mix for the whole night and, and not say a word. In fact, some of them will bring on MCs or whatever, depends what type of music you're doing. Mm-hmm. But very few of them will actually get on the mic and talk, you know what I mean? Well, that's, so, that, and that's the thing, I think, sorry to interrupt. Why, why do that on the radio? Aye, you know? I was going to say, that's one of the things the GBX, I think, that makes it so... Because it's it's like its own genre of music, isn't it? It's like a, yeah. it's like, it's like a type it's, of brand, and part of it is, I want to hear the music. If I could do it, and I would just... I know the, the adverts are infrequent. I would take all adverts away, but I want to hear the tunes, but I also still want to hear eh, like 10 nutcases and drum chapel shouting, all right, Georgie boy, going to play Concrete Angel. Exactly. I think that just kind of part makes it, doesn't it? <laughs> There's certain songs you kind of get away from as well, but look, luckily I love like Concrete Angel stuff. Like, I mean, I'm lucky that I like the music I play. Aye. I, I don't think I could do it if I wasn't into that type of stuff. Do you, we hear the calls that make it? What well, are they? the ones that don't. Yeah, make that's what I was going to say. What are the ones that don't make it? Oh mate, there's so many. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, a, oh, just, a, uh, and just you know, just I don't remember mumbling. <laughs> I, I'm sure you have a couple of times. Your name's blocked. <laughs> um, uh, so I, it's, the, the calls, the calls that make it are, are fun, and it, it's all all ages as well. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get all the calls away because we've got seven lines, and the minute you go on. All seven lines flashing are flashing. Up. And if it's a quiet night in Super Scoreboard, we're on the Friday night as well, obviously. And mm-hmm. if it's a quiet night in Super Scoreboard and they try to get some calls on Friday night, <laughs> and everyone's like, it's Georgie Boy! <laughs> Go away! Piss off! Amazing. See, the, the demographic as well is so varied. And there's, yeah. I know people who possibly wouldn't have been alive when it started. Oh, they definitely and mad fanatics. Alive. Definitely it. wouldn't be alive. There's people phoning up for songs from. <clears throat> 25, 30 years ago that that they've only learnt either through the show or through their parents mm-hmm. or whatever but love you know what I mean Has have there been any surprising people that have come up to you or you've bumped into or they've got in touch people that I mean that are well known you think no fucking way you can't Aye. be a fan oh the the biggest one was Sam Hewn on with James Corden oh, oh and James Corden said what you did like I'd never met Sam Hewn no way and Everyone's sending me this video of him on James Corden. I said, oh, yeah, I've heard of this guy. He does an Outlander show. And I'm watching it, and James Corden's like, what do you want for your 40th birthday? And he said, there's a DJ in Scotland, uh, George Bowie. I'd love him to come and do a GBX set no on my 40th Talk on American about Colin, TV. Yeah. And James Corden's like, well, George is behind the curtain. Ha, ha, ha. And it just noise him up a wee bit. And I said, he's like, yeah, George, if you're watching, I really want you to play my 40th. And I was like... Wow. So I take it you played <laughs> it? Um, no, because COVID cancelled it. Oh, you bastard. Surely he should be doing a bit so, retrospective party. I think he should, because he must be, what, 43 now? Aye, so, or Sam. coming up for 43. Sam, let's get this done. He's 43. Well, I, I would imagine he would be, because that, that, like was, that was... It was 2019 that he was on the show and the party was meant to be 2020. Mm-hmm. So, aye, that would be right. Sam, if you're listening, George will do it so long as you do blethered before. That's the, that's the deal. That's the deal. I've already <laughs> told him, I said, we'll do it anytime because obviously I've become friends with him now since. Aye. So, uh, and, and Martin Compson's another one. I know you've had Martin on the show. He He's a big GBX supporter, which I love. Aye. Um, he, he flies He flies the flag for all things Scottish. He as really well. does, doesn't he? Uh, that's him putting bits and pieces on the telly and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so he did. Class. Oh, man, that's amazing. So people also forget the GBX kind of went away for a while and it was a it was a Bebo campaign that brought it well, back. Well, that, that's what I was talking about, the Smirnoff thing. So I lost my train. I thought that I was meant to mention this I with Smirnoff. I probably interrupted you there. When Smirnoff took over, no, I, I, we said that they wanted club DJs to do it instead of the guy off the radio. Aye, right, aye. So needless to say, that didn't really work. So the mm. figures went down and down and down. And then eventually Smirnoff thought, oh, it's not really worth a while and pulled the, the partnership and the show got cancelled. Smirnoff, so, you made an arse of that one. So, well, it was good for me because I get back in mm. because I was still out doing, old school became a thing then. And I was out doing kind of like old school gigs and clubs would hire me to come along and play some tunes and you, you could see it starting up again. And I said to my boss at the time, I said, look, why don't we do, a re-, it was an English guy that was in charge. I said, why don't we do a, a resurrection of GBX and all that kind of stuff? It'd be massive. And uh, I said, we could just do all the old school stuff and get some of the new dance stuff in. And he, he was like, Fice at night, you're a breakfast jock. You're not <laughs> a club jock. It will never work. And this guy doesn't work on radio anymore, thankfully. So that's good. So off he went. And then another guy came in and I had been DJing in Kirky. In Tantra. Tantra in Kirky. I seen so, you in Tantra. Did you? Yes. You from up that neck of the Rob Royston. Oh, right. So that's pretty close. Aye. Aye. So remember, you had the DJ box upstairs, and people would come up and say, Oh, how come you don't do that Saturday night show anymore? 
And some lassie said, I'm going to start a Beeble campaign because you know how big Beeble was Aye, in Glasgow. I mean, it wasn't Giving massive across the world, but for some reason in Glasgow, everybody had Beeble. Nobody had Facebook back then. Everyone Aye. was on Beeble. It was mental. And this person started a Beeble campaign and loads of people signed it. And then a, a new boss had taken over, uh, this guy Paul Saunders, and I went to him and I showed him the, the Beeble campaign. He said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you a 90-minute slot. He said, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, I said, and that was 2007. And he said, uh, we'll see how it goes. And the rest is kind of history. The 90 minutes became two hours. And then it became three hours. And now it's four hours. (laughs) And it's Friday and Saturday. I I demand that Bauer make it and Radio Clyde make it five hours. Exactly. Just extend it. Let's just start a station. A digital GBX station. Do you you take it all over? Or do you kind of stick to the same sort of venues? Um, Right now, I'm kind of taking it all over. Um, because GBX is on, on a Friday it goes out all over Scotland mm-hmm. so you can hear it in Aberdeen you can hear it in the borders you can hear it all over so I'm, I'm asked to play kind of like all over Scotland now mm-hmm. which is good and doing a lot of stuff abroad I mean we do Ibiza a lot we used to do Kilties now we're in the Highlander oh, mate, I, was, I was in Kilties actually when well, you played as well now. aye that, that shut down but the, the Highlander's been great I'd, I'd never been the Highlander before um, this year, and oh, I love it, man! It's great, and and the guy that owns it, Seb, is just the nicest, sweetest man. He put us up in his house and all that. He moved out of his house, did he? And just gave like me and my wife and my DJ mates his house for a weekend. <laughs> nice. I'm like, I wouldn't be doing that. I don't care who you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't care what DJ you have. Calvin Harris came to DJ in my club. He's not staying in my in house. Premier in you, you know what I mean? Aye, <laughs> the road. I love. I have to give my pal Calvin. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what Calvin I think he half runs a place Him and uh, His girlfriend Alex Alexis she gets called I don't know most uh, Calvin's a good lad it. He's a great yeah, guy yeah. Highlander Yeah he's a great lad um, He was over Because we did the Highlander reunion SWGT I, was, I know I was going to come I had I something come down, man. I know I had, so, I had something on that night with Christina Novelli on That sings Concrete Angel She oh, was nice. amazing So she DJed And I thought What's she going to be like DJing? She was amazing. And then the last song's Concrete Angel. She just grabs a mic, goes to the front of the stage and sings it live. And it's just amazing. It a moment. It was class. Oh, mate, you're getting me excited. I've now, because I was in Ibiza end of May and then I was there in July. And you go there quite a bit, don't you? Aye. And I've um, I've now finally got over the hangover, the PTSD and all that. I've just helped, because it's all fun and games when you're there, but see that f- flight back? Like, oh, it's murder. No, nah, flight back. You see some broken people. Uh, that's me, mate. I was an <laughs> absolute broken man on the way back. But I've, I've got over it now. I'm going back in May, so I'm like, I can't wait. I'm going to go a few times actually next year. Um, it's a hassle now with the, when we went over. We had to, like, I had to spend a whole day going around uh, lawyers' offices and all that, filling out forms and getting um, licenses to DJ because of the whole Brexit thing. You can't just turn uh, up and DJ. Now. So the club got a £10,000 fine if you aren't a licensed DJ if you haven't got a no permit way. to play in Ibiza so we had to spend a whole day luckily that they last you for like two years but what a, right. a ball like that I've was got, I've got permanent residence in Spain so if you want oh, what we right. can say is put my name on the bill it's and then you just come in and play we'll split that's it 50-50 right down the middle we'll never know. I was just like no no it's me who's getting paid I'm the legal entity but I'm just giving I'm giving this young understudy a shot here he's quite good I'll he's let starting <laughs> up you know what I mean the crowd might go alright uh, I'll let him play LF System we're doing it and uh they came into the, the Highlander. They went to play, just came in for a drink, and the, the DJ got them to come up. And they're like, oh, I left system. I can't play your, your number one song on the deck. So they uh, up and played Fred to Feel. And then they went, like, no, get them off. <laughs> I've got 10 grand fire. We can get them off now. Oh, man. Imagine the punters like, wait, sorry, what, why are they getting wrestled away for the decks? Yeah? <laughs> we'll put a hat round. It's fine. See, we, you, you, I mean, do GBX loads of different gigs and obviously the radio. And I feel like you transcend radio but you seem to transcend traditional borders I, I suppose that's probably because it's radio's no longer confined it's digital people are way up north can get it people yeah. abroad or can get it on your phone or whatever Aye. yeah get it wherever B- you go but, and you don't need to be self-effacing here because there is the acknowledgement of it's because you're very good and there's also now there's, there's a further reach but what is it you think that just keeps you transcending those periods of time and, and generations and also boundaries of entertainment? I think the main thing is just knowing your audience and giving them what they want. You know what I mean? Don't try and be something you're not. Mm. Don't try and think, all right, let's try and be really cool and trendy. Because I made that mistake when I was younger. I said, oh, I'm going to try and change the show and try and be, be a cool DJ. And I, no, that's not going to work out. Like, I, I do mm. my thing and my thing's my thing and that's it. And I, I'm just kind of known for giving the punters what they want. And that that's what I kind of like to do. I don't want to try and be something I'm not, you know? I mean, it's just of, go and have a laugh aye. and play the big tunes. And if it's cheesy, it's cheesy. I don't care. It's kind of reflective of what you were saying. We're saying 
Maroon 5 that was rubbish it's Aye, like you're, be- it. uh, you're being yourself I always think even when people say something that I don't particularly agree with it doesn't resonate with me if they say it and they mean it they're saying it with your chest I'm like I really still like that because you know that you're getting complete authenticity there's no facade there's no bullshit there's Aye, no filter what's the point you know what I mean because you're no. only gonna get, particularly if you're on the radio um, six days a week you're going to get found out eventually you know Aye, I mean? true. just be yourself that, that's how how do you contend with getting up so early? You, obviously, you're, you're in, you just be in that rhythm. But is there ever a point where you're like, oh my God, like it was t- minus 10 this morning, you're like, fuck Aye, this. It was, uh, not really, because it's, see, see, when I was younger, when I was like, drinking and stuff, I, uh, I don't know how I did it. I, I could get up on a Monday morning and be broke. See, now I don't really drink at all. Mm. Don't go to clubs anymore unless I'm DJing. And it's, it's just kind of like, if I'm going out I'll go out for a wee bit but I normally always drive and the problem with that is you're driving everyone home aye, <laughs> and, aye. and they're all steaming hanging out of your car spewing <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but um, and I think the reason I do that is because I've just accepted that this is the life I've chosen and I have to be responsible I have to be able to get up for work on a Monday morning and mm. I can't sleep in I can't I can't go into work with a hangover and I can't get pulled over and still have drink my system and all that oh, kind imagine. of stuff so uh, I just kind of sacrificed everything and it's fine. I've, I've got, I've got, I've got an amazing life, so I'm happy with that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like that. It was my decision. Nobody's forcing me to do this. It was my decision to do the breakfast show, and it's my decision to carry on doing the breakfast show, and that's fine. It's cool. So it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. Of course, in mornings you wake up and you're knackered, but sometimes I, I normally go home for a wee sleep afterwards. Sometimes I can wake up again in the afternoon and be even more tired. Aye, you know what I, I mean? know. Aye, that, I've always wondered that as well. It's like, so how how do you... people get tired when they wake up? It doesn't matter if it's mm. four o'clock in the morning or my alarm goes off about quarter to five, but you know it could go off at eight o'clock and I could be knackered. Aye. you're going to be tired when you get up in the morning. It's one of these things. What what is, has there been any sort of highlights? Because I always and this is becoming a bit of a regular feature on on this show where I, I call it the wee tabloid segment where right. it's just you know they sort of. A reporter who's just asking you the generic basic questions is they're trying to get a headline or a quote or something. But I, I genuinely find these things interesting, whether it's sort of salacious or whether it's just like, oh, that's funny. But over the course of the the breakfast show and, and doing maybe if you've done ones in the afternoon and stuff, you'll obviously encounter a lot of famous people. And I just find that really interesting and fascinating. I'm a big I was a big fan back in the day. I read my mum's heat magazine and all that kind of Aye. thing. And I think that's just kind of stuck with me. I mean, what are the standouts? Are they I call them the dinner table stories in terms of who was who was great, who was absolutely snide, who surprised you, or what what are those kind of It's funny, you memories? normally find the bigger the star, um, the nicer they are. Martin said that yesterday. It's weird that, isn't it? Did you say that too? Aye. Francis... Said they've got nothing to prove. Aye. And I think that's what it is. And they just come in and they've got an album to promote and the last thing they want to do is piss you off because you're going to be promoting their album. <laughs> Why would you want to come in and annoy someone and all mm. that kind of stuff? And they're probably every bit as nervous as you because I've done it for both sides, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a bit nervous uh, doing the interview and sometimes it's a bit never I can be in the, the interviewee, mm. you know what I mean? It's, it works both ways. Uh, I never realised that before <clears> until I started doing stuff. Like I, I did uh, uh, when we I did that Texas single, Mr Hayes, with um, Charlene and we did some some PR on it and we were doing some interviews and I suddenly realised that I'd taken over the interview. You know aye, I mean? I was, people are asking me questions and then I'm answering and then asking Charlene a question. I'm like, <laughs> I better shut up here. It's like difficult to do both. But um, I like nice people. George Michael, for instance, right? George Michael was kind of like my hero when I grew up. That was my kind of era. And Love George Michael. I got to interview him uh, down in London and I went down and... Clyde said, we're going to do a 60-minute special. George Michael would be great. So I thought, oh, that sounds amazing. I'll go down and say, well, we need about 20 minutes chat at the very bare minimum, and we'll pad it out with music and what have you. So right, no, but I can get 20 minutes with George Michael. I know loads about him. So I went down, and the record label were like, interviews aren't going George's way. George is really pissed off, and we're going to have to cut you to 10 minutes, but it might be five. Oh. And I was like, oh, Christ. Said, uh, I said, I'm doing an hour-long special. He said, I know, but there's nothing I can do. So it might just need to be a, an interview that goes out. So I went in and George was kind of like grumpy and sitting there. I thought, oh God, I'm kind of meeting George Michael and he's not in a good mood. So we sat down and I started talking about Wham and how I'd gone to see Wham at the Apollo because I was mm-hmm. telling the story about my dad owning ah, the yeah. club upstairs. I said, it was one of your first gigs. And I said... Uh, I remember you and Andrew were putting shuttlecocks down your trousers <laughs> and he burst out laughing. He said, oh my God, I remember that. And he starts telling me the story about how um, they didn't have dressers back then. It, it, so they would just go on stage and 
their own clothes and all that. He said, I was a big Marks and Spencers across the road. Me and Andrew went and got some jumpers and all that. Kind of stuff. So suddenly we've hit it off. Amazing. And we're just doing this full chat. And then after about 45 minutes, I'm like, I've got to wrap this up because I've got to go and get a flight <laughs> Shut to up, George. So yeah, George, look, I know you want to carry on talking about it, but really, I've got to go. <laughs> so the guy that was meant to go like that to me, I'm going like that to him to wind up. And... Um, it just went really well. We got this amazing George Michael special. Brilliant. And then that summer he was doing Hamden. And uh, he said to the guy for the record label, that, that guy, George, that did the, the interview, he's a DJ. See if he'll come and do a wee support slot at Hamden for me. No way. So George Michael's record label phone up said, would you like to support George at Hamden? I'm like, eh, I. <laughs> First of Absolutely. all, I'd be like, who is this? So, Somebody's yeah, winding yeah, me up. Away. It's that Rob Corbett. <laughs> <laughs> Snudge his revenge. Um, so, <laughs> so I am... Um, I did the gig with George Michael and it was class. It was that is brilliant. amazing. And, it was just, and I, I met him a few times after did that. Did you go out with him after all that? Uh, no, I, I just like spoke to him and just he was just he wasn't really one for going out afterwards. You know what I mean? Ah. It wasn't really uh, the, the party type. But yeah, it, it was class. You would, I mean, stuff, you would, that, that's what you wouldn't expect. Aye, you would. I mean, you would have known this. Of course, you would have known this. But it would have probably, I'd imagine, reinforced to you. It's like if you're speaking to somebody and you're trying to get something out of them and you want to have a connection, then be interested in them. Aye. No. Do your research them. like you've done. Aye, treat them like a human being as well. Like it would be easy to shut yourself in front of George Michael because really he is would. the man. Do you know, I went to um, you, you will have been. Went to, have you been to Pike's Hotel in Ibiza? Yes, amazing. So for anybody that doesn't know, Pike's shot the video there didn't for Club Tropicana. Aye, aye. So the story of that's amazing. That guy Tony Pike's. Have you ever read his book? I just died recently, didn't he? Tony. Aye. Pikes, aye. So Tony Pike's for anybody that doesn't know, I'll give you the very condensed history of him. Born in England, left at 15, I think he joined the Navy illegally during World War II, made his way to Australia, made millions, became a bit of a prolific sailor, a self-described ladies' man. I think he definitely embellished a lot of his stories, but the book nonetheless is quite interesting. But long story short, he sails the world, ends up in Singapore, rocks, rocks up in Ibiza in like the late 70s, buys an abandoned farmhouse, converts it into a wee boutique hotel, and it just takes off. So they get the chap at the door and we're like, I would like to film a music video here. And it was for Club Tropicana. And so that's where that was filmed. I think Lewis Capaldi's just recreated that actually. Yes. In the same hotel. Freddie Mercury had his 41st birthday party there, not his 40th. He had his own room. And uh, it was very much a case of whatever the hell happens in here stays here. And that didn't was, make the movie. Aye. It was, it was sort of like <laughs> sex, drugs and rock... Uh, I would say sausage rolls there because that's Geo Guy t-shirt. Rock and roll. And it's a mental story. But... Um, I been in, been there, and then we were there in the summer, me and my pal Dean, and it was one of the best nights ever because there's signs now that, and it's like no phones, no cameras. I think as a, the sign says, no under twenty fives, no flip flops, no glitter, no phones, no cunts, and I was like, oh, that's me, that's me out there. Anyway, outside, I'm a cunt in flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I Calvin did the video for a holiday, I think up there. One did of the Disney songs I wanted to try to. So loads of people have used it, but I, mm. I, it's an amazing place, and he, he was an amazing guy. So, there's so many great stories from Ibiza of people that. Centrics. You, you must have had some belters now. Be that have been a lot of times. You've been going over multiple times a year. Oh, that, it's just what you're saying. With the, 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 you couldn't get from one extreme to the other from the flight out to the flight back. You know what I mean? <laughs> I it's just like if you were to do the polar opposite or something, that would be those two flights. Uh, I kind of look empty in the eye. Me and my wee Burger King that's half eaten. Aye, come and on, that's what you do. Just your, your onion rings, something like that. Um, I I hate to bring this up because. You're like, it's over, let it go. I don't want to go back there. But during COVID, that must have been quite mental. And I know you've been asked about this a lot of times, but were you still just going in doing the show? I was still going in doing the show. It was it was a horrible time for everyone, you know what I mean? But I was one of the, the lucky ones. I was kind of blessed during COVID because mm. it's like all my life I've just been doing the radio and going out DJing. And it's mm. like I've always wanted to like make music and get the recording studio up and running and do all that and I've never had time and it's like COVID gave me time to do that so like we did um, we did a song we did that hero song um, by the for, for the for the NHS and for the the carers uh, at the start of COVID and then that kind of snowballed and thought right we've got a hit here so we started doing more music mm -hmm. and we did um, we did the Scarivore track like after it um, Take My Hand and that kind of Became a big hit, and then we did obviously Yes Sir I Can Boogie because um, I love the story about how you managed to get that. We had to get the girls, we had to find the girls in Spain because they lost the original vocal, and we had to book a, a studio in Madrid during COVID, so I couldn't be there. Imagine, and we had to fly them down 
um, to Madrid into this recording studio where they recorded Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie again. But obviously they're a lot older. <laughs> so when they're doing the, oh, come on, boys. It's kind of like your grand doing it. It's like, hey, man, Wayne Renee and people, su- oh, I would su- such characters would be right into no, it. No, Wayne's endorsed that. That's not true. Um, but yeah, and, and they re-recorded the vocals. But then sadly Maria died like a couple of months know, later. Oh, that was brutal, wasn't it? So it was horrible. Um, what a nice end to the, their life to know that song. But yeah, to their song was back and we got to number two in the charts. And it, it, she was following Scotland at the Euros and all that kind That's of stuff funny, and posting it? about it. It was good. It was What was it? There was a fire at the, the recording studio that housed the original recording and yes, they lost it. and everything was lost. But there's a lot of like recordings from that era that just all got wiped out. And it was like, well, how are we going to do this? I don't, I don't want to throw you under the bus, but are you willing to tell the story how you managed to pip the Fratellis to... To get the, I don't yeah, know whether right, it was okay. officially endorsed. I love how you heard this story because I don't know if I've told this story publicly or not. But we were doing Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie and we did the demo for it and we sent it off and they didn't get back to us. And it was one of those where I think they didn't get back to us because we didn't use the original vocal because we couldn't get the original mm-hmm. vocal. So we we kind of spliced up the original track and put a beat behind it and a bit. And it sounded pretty messy, but it was just to give them an idea of what we wanted to do. Uh, and they never got back to us. And I kept messaging the guy, and they never got back to us. And then I sent him a message, and I saw the by this point I've heard the Fratellis are doing a cover version of it, and I thought, oh, you know what? I said, by the way, I said. Uh, I know we're in touch about yes, I can boogie. I said, but we're just going to leave it because we've been approached by um, this band, the Fratellis, uh, and uh, they're going to do it, and we're just going to remix their version. So, so don't worry about it. Within five minutes, the guy was on to me. Right, we can fly the girls down to this <laughs> studio, but but you'll need to pay half of it and all that. And suddenly, they're paying half. And I'm like, this is great. I need to lie more often. This is amazing. Just so yeah, shows thank being you, the Fratellis. Being dishonest is great. Exactly. The Fratellis are probably thinking uh, that that it was a rival tune, but without them, my version would never have. Happened so mm-hmm. big love to the Fratellis, thank you. I love that they sort of move into other other tracks because somebody, somebody I'm a big fan of and who's just a really nice guy, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something Incredible sort of guy. mutually beneficial as well, obviously, for him kind of coming through. And his, for me, I uh, and and but the tune is it's getting a little heavy lately, it's been a little heavy lately. Yeah. I was a huge fan of Joseph anyway, so I approached him uh-huh. and wanted to do it. Uh, and it turned out he was a GBX fan. He'd been at... He's figure thumb, look. Well, exactly. He'd kind of grown up on that and he'd, he'd been to some of my gigs and he'd been to the Avicii gig that, 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 at Bella House and Park. And he said, oh, he said, we, we were more into you than Avicii. Class <laughs> jumping about. I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> so we, me and Joe just hit it off right away. You know what I mean? He's a great guy uh, and an amazing talent. It's great to see folk like Elton John supporting them now as well. He you did know? the Apple Music thing, yeah, didn't he? and Elton said he's a big fan and all that kind of stuff. And that's I, th- I think Joe's like one of the most talented guys in Scotland. I think he's got potential to be huge. Very, very easily. His voice is just absolutely incredible. I went to one of his first gigs, actually. I interviewed him at Transmit as well and just had a proper great laughing because I think you could listen to him. You could play play him and go, oh, this is this singer from New York or London or yeah. San Francisco. He never like, thinks a guy for these He's feel like a mile and a half away from where I grew up. And he's at, so if you've not heard Joseph's music, which if... I'm surprised if you haven't. Go and listen, because you'll enjoy it. Um, the track coming out uh, with Kevin Maguire, the Scots country singer, Wagon Wheel, the one written by Bob Dylan. Is yeah, that... I didn't know it was Bob Dylan, to, to be honest with you. I, I know that now, Aye. but I didn't know until I, I was doing the that. paperwork to get no, it released. I never... Do you know, I also saw Bob Dylan wishing somebody a happy birthday on Twitter, and I was like, what? I thought he's still died going. about 30 years ago. I think he was in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago. He was. My, my cousin went to see him, my cousin Thomas. Aye. I mean, God, how old must he be? About 90 or something? I know, but how... He shuffle on stage. I know, but he must just not do the circuit because I swear to God, I was like, he died in the 60s. He Aye. must have done. Aye, well, maybe he didn't. He's just holding him up <laughs> because he does. He, he looks like the years haven't been good to him. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, Bob Dylan, obviously one of the most famous songwriters of all time. And Aye. yeah, he wrote Wagon Wheel. That was Kevin's choice. What happened was with, with Kevin, he said, um, just when we were talking about Avicii, he said, do you want to do a remix on one of my tunes? I said, well, see that thing Avicii was doing with the kind of like EDM country thing? Mm-hmm. I said, that just stopped because because Tim died. Do you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. It just, it, it didn't like, it didn't... Stop being popular. Stop being popular or do it <clears throat> too much or everyone was doing it. it was, Tim was the only guy who was doing it and then he, he sadly died and nobody else did it after that. And I said, that's probably still going to work, that kind of group, because it was it was so original what mm. he was doing. You know, Wake Me Up, the first time you heard Wake Me Up, you're like, I've never had anything like that before in my life. That's amazing. It's a country song with with a, a kind of banging 
club groove going on. I like on. those and wee twists. Huge. Aye, because I remember when when it was Jeff Ellis phoned me up and said, I've got to get, I've got to get Vici to play. <laughs> what, <laughs> a good, back. what a good impersonation. <laughs> he by said the way. that he once came up to me at uh, Tea in the Park. He said, Well, my friend says you do a great impersonation of me. <laughs> this is live on air. And he said, We do it for me. And I was like, Oh, Jeff, I don't want. Go on, let me hear it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I said, all right. I said, I was going to phone up um, the main office and say, get all the money for a tea in the park, put it in an envelope, give it to George Barry, and never mention it to me again. <laughs> and they would I, have done it. If I they... think it was Artie was with him at the time, and she just bust in hysterics, and <laughs> Jeff just looked right through me, you know what I mean? It was one of those. But yeah, Jeff phoned me up and said that he's got a Vici book to do Bella Houston Park, and I can't tell anyone, but would I like to support him? And I was like, Avicii? I said, this was before Wake Me Out. Right, Wake okay. Me Out. Come on, I thought, I don't know if I beat if she's gonna fill um Bell House and Part and he says, No, no. I got a new single, sent it over, and uh I was like, Wow. Okay, yeah, Aye. I I get it now. And it, it was massive. But the, to get back to the Kevin thing, nobody was doing that after uh, after Avicii died. So I thought, why not? Why not mm. just kind of resurrect that sound? So it was so it's out, it's actually out this week, um, Wagon Wheel, and it's we, we did it. What happened was I did a version. What happened, how I, my process is? I have a recording studio in my house, so I've I've converted my garage into a recording studio, and I've got one in the town as right, well. Okay. And uh, Sparkos, who I do a lot of the mixes with, he runs a studio in the town. Him and my wife, right? Okay, work in there during the day, and I just do my bit. And so I'll start the track in my garage and do a demo, and then send it to them, and they'll polish it up, and make it all mm-hmm. singing, all dancing. So because we're working at different times, so I'll kind of like work during the day and they'll work through the night. So me and my wife kind of pass each other. She'll be getting in at like half four in the morning when I'm getting up. Mm-hmm. So we kind of pass each other at night and, then, and that's the, the process we've got. So I did the this track for Kevin and sent it to them and they thought it was a bit too commercial, a bit too, too much daytime radio. So they changed the whole drop and changed it all around and turned it into a much more clubby track. And they brought that out and then Kevin heard the version I'd done and he said, oh, that's really good. He said, we, sh- we should do something with that. And I said, well, why don't we do it with, with Cash for Kids? I said, we can bring it out in December because it's more for the Christmas parties mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So we just brought it out on, on Friday there. And Excellent. it's like the Cash for Kids remix of, of Wagon Wheel and everyone's playing at the Christmas parties. It's going down a storm and all the money's going to go to Cash for Kids. So, so it's doing a good thing as well. Uh, very good. So it's, it's all right. And it's available on all the usual streaming aye, platforms, I assume. Yeah, or you can <clears> download <throat> it from iTunes or stream it and Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get get your stuff. Excellent. So. Put it on repeat then. That's what to do. So it's all good. You know, we mentioned the 25 years of waking up waking up Glasgow and doing the, the breakfast show and everybody just synonymous with... With Radio Clyde, I mean, I remember going to school and hearing your voice. And then what's funny is it's now carried on and it's me getting ready on a Saturday night, absolutely blitzed. I also still listening to <laughs> you. Still got on. Your, your voice is there. And everybody will always think, he's just been there forever, but there was a very momentary period. When I was where, in this building. In this very building, aye. In this you, studio. Where you, you left, was it because of the army guy that was running the radio station? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he did what he thought was right. He was living in his era. I just felt that... I was unhappy and I needed to do something different and my dad had just died and I was, my head was kind of all messed up mm. and I thought, oh, I just need to get out of here. So this, this army guy is like, he's running at old school and there's young, new, fresh stations coming yeah. up and the guy that, that owned um, this station, which was Beat 106 at the time, I was doing gigs from him. He owned the tunnel in Glasgow and he's like, oh, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. And, you know, I thought this will be great for me because this guy's got clubs all over the world. And... Um, he started up the radio station and I, I joined up and did the breakfast show and then for some reason they didn't put me on at the weekends in a dance show which that's bizarre that sounds personal but what, I think it was more because they wanted me as a daytime presenter and mm. wanted like club jocks on Aye. At, the, at the weekend um, so it was one of those and I thought oh, suddenly I'm, I'm losing all my gigs now. <laughs> I've only been here two weeks and then I heard that the, the guy was selling it so he uh, the reason I found out was because my mum was moving house and she went to look at a property that was up for sale and it turned out it was the guy because uh, he had a club in London that had shut down and um, he needed to sell up. So he was selling his house and the radio station and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, but... right, this is not a good place for me to be right <laughs> yeah. now. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was lucky that um, Paul Cooney, who you mentioned earlier, had 
since become the managing director at Radio mm. Clyde and he brought me back and I'll be forever grateful Probably for that. jumped at a chance to jumped get you back. Well, I think it was beneficial to everyone. Yeah, I, 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 he put his arms out and I jumped into them. Just for anybody that doesn't remember, Beat 106, it started in 1999. It was this sort of new kid in the block and we now are uh, the big lighter inhabiting their old studio and premises. But that, it was Beat 106, then it was, I think, Galaxy. I think it was, it was XFM first. XFM, it was XFM oh, was and it? then it was Galaxy, and then it was Capital. And then Capital, and Capital have now moved to town. Yeah. Oh, so we get their office in West Nile Street, mm. but there's nobody in it. So I've been in a few times. It's like a skeleton staff. They've got like a sort of commercial staff, or I think selling ad space and stuff. They have got the, I think it's one or two studios, because your mate Gary Spence, that was. He was here. Yeah, for, I met. He stayed on, didn't he? What a lovely guy he is, by the oh, way. Oh, he's the nicest guy. Really, really the is, because there are a few. I remember, I've got like, I've got a long memory in a black book, and I'm like, asshole, <laughs> nice guy, nice guy. He is a good guy. And, uh, but and I met him, and I thought he was so, so sound. Um, Aye, so they've, they've kind of moved there. But that's funny, isn't it? So people won't know that. And you were here a couple of weeks and then thought, oh, fuck. And it's, it's, yeah. it's good luck. But then again, it kind of comes back to the whole thing. I was saying, do you think some things are predestined and were some things just by by coincidence or chance? Because really, how many people get to leave a place and... And go back. Aye, and especially so. leaving in slightly acrimonious circumstances yeah. as well. I mean, I... I remember somebody I worked with phoning me up and saying, whatever you do, don't slag them off. Mm. He said, because people don't want to read that. Yeah, and I thought it's not really my nature. It's like folk off anyway, so I'm not, I, I wouldn't go to the papers. And say, oh, they were bastards. They did this. They did that. Because <laughs> he generally didn't. I just felt I, I was in a bad headspace at the time, and I just needed, I needed a change. Mm. I needed a break, and I thought it never really kicked off between me and and the army guy. I just felt that it could, yeah. and I didn't want to be in that situation. And this just felt like the right fit for me. And then I realised like after. A couple of weeks that I'd made a really, really bad decision. That's fine. We all do it. You know yeah. what I mean? And do you know what? It's what's for you, no go by you. We went back and uh, my life couldn't be better. It's, be, it's mm. been amazing. And, and Gary Spence will be the same. I mean, he, he obviously did capital. He probably felt uh, when that all kind of fell apart mm. that what's going to happen? He's come to us at, at Clyde and he's loving life, man. He's just, Aye. and he's doing great. Ah, yes. Because, I mean, now, because so Capital's been centralising it, so done for Global and Leicester Square. Um, and they'll have this sort of occasional thing up here, but nobody's, re- I don't think anybody's listening. I think people in Glasgow, anyway, for the most part. What I'm, did they do? Because I, I, I generally <clears> never listen. So, so I talk over you here, but what no, did they fine. do during the World Cup? Were they playing like three lines and all that? Uh, do you know what? I actually don't know because I don't. I didn't really listen because I was about to say they I'll must have, have been cheering on England and all that. It must have been weird. Aye, because I think basically depending on the time of day you put it on, maybe there's somebody in the afternoon in in Glasgow or at night. I'm not sure, but pretty much everything is broadcast for London and it's going out all across Aye. the UK. And I think with Gary Spence, people would have known who he was if you're into music Definitely. and radio. But since having moved to Radio Clyde, because everybody I think in Glasgow and the West has listened to. Clyde one, like I go between Clyde one and Clyde two. I'm more mm-hmm. of a Clyde two man myself, yeah, and I always I, I have jump been. between them both. That's my pension plan, Clyde two. <laughs> Won't hear a bad word said about it. It's my pension. I love Clyde two. Do you know what doing the, the ten o'clock show? Sorry, whoever's doing the ten o'clock show, I'm not trying to steal your gig, but that to me would be the dream. So I'm like, yes, man. I'd be listening to wet, wet, wet anyway. So I would nice. like to just be getting played to, like that one there. to 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 thing me to do this. But I think with the thing with Gary Spence now, everybody knows him. Everybody's talking about. Did you hear that guy in the cash register? Or, yeah, I remember hearing one and being pure and. Tears and be like, fuck, I'm so glad. I can't even remember the story now, but there was one that caught everybody's imagination. Yes, anyway. there was a video, one I can remember, I remember the guy. I can't Maybe somebody's partner said. had died. Oh, that that was the Lady Mary, wasn't it? Yes, I'll tell you what it was. That was last year. Um, Gary won a big award for that, Did by he? the way, for, for like uh, one of the radio moments of the year. At the uh, it's not the Sony Awards now, whatever it's called. Arias, Arias, aye, he won a big award at that because the lady Mary, her partner had just died from COVID, and this was just at the end of COVID. And she said, Oh, please don't let this be a joke. I've just lost my partner from COVID, and she got like a hundred grand. Amazing, and it was just like the most like everyone was greeting. We were sitting there, and you generally and Gary just handled it brilliantly. He's like, Is there anyone else there that can help me? And I think her son came on the phone and all that. it was just, Gary handled it so amazingly, and it's, yeah. it's things like that, wee moments like that, that'll ingrain you in everybody's consciousness, yes. even if it's subconscious. Like you're in, and everybody's now kind of aware of you. I no, definitely, hundred percent. One of the things that always makes me laugh, and uh, I, somebody I know, Emma Hamill, actually brought it to my attention. So she asked a question. And it was, how come, even though it had already been played... Mm-hmm. George, on the show? On, oh, fuck me, I'll do that again. Right, I'll, I'll reword that. 
We can fit it into the GBX thing, actually. Aye. And the thing with GBX when you're out doing the shows live uh -huh. is people coming up and asking questions. And Emma Hamill has asked, or she basically said, why did George not play Concrete Angel, even though it had already been played and I'd asked for it 12 times? And you must just get all sorts of bangers. Welcome to my world. Aye. <laughs> I'd, all the time. And... Uh, Particularly at this time of year, it's just like people come up to me at gigs and go, "Could he play bits and pieces?" <laughs> now, I started my set with bits and pieces. No, you never. <laughs> Why would I not play bits and pieces? You know what I, I mean? Know. It's like would Oasis not play Wonderwall? You know what I mean? It's like it's the most iconic GBX tune. Did you it's, read Gary Spence's column where he wrote about the ten things, like the ten sort of commandments of yes, the Christmas DJ, parties? Don't I, do it. It must be a nightmare this this time of year because you also get the people who don't often go out and maybe don't understand one etiquette or they don't drink and why do become... people ask DJs for records? I know. Why, why even ask? <laughs> like, surely the DJ is there to play all the big tunes and fill the floor, not to play your specific I tune. I never get that. Gonna play rock DJ by Robbie I, Williams. I had please, somebody mate. come up to me, Sean, at the Hilton Christmas party. Right, floors jumping. And it's like you're a superstar or whatever. They're all singing. Gonna play Tom Adele, another love. <laughs> <laughs> what? what is there an Are assisted serious? Is there an assisted suicide or something? Going on? Like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Had someone else come up to me on, on Friday night and go, George, come here. And I, uh, well, I'm actually DJing. People forget that you are actually DJing live. You're not miming. You know what I mean? Aye. And you are kind of there to play tunes, not to do photos. But you've, you've reminded me there. I was at, I went to the Hilton's 30th birthday thing recently, and I got chatting to the marketing woman. I, please forgive me if I'm getting her name wrong. Anya, the German woman. Yes. And she said she was talking about you doing the Christmas parties. You're doing like back to back. Like every night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I nearly came to one. Oh, you uh, should make because they're amazing. But I was, I was, um, I had been a period of like 14 days and I was out 11 of them and there's this party and I was like I can't I can't because it was a last minute call up and normally I'm like yep shin pads on like let's go captain's armband on the arm I'm ready to lead the team here but I just was like I need a break but she was saying that they've, they've been absolutely brilliant oh the curse the, Sunday's the craziest one because that's all the hairdressers and oh. beauticians and all because they're all off on a Monday right, you know what aye. I mean so it's all, all mad but we had like a model agency Everything from a model agency to a garage in one night, <laughs> and it, it was like uh, Billy's Garage in Partick and some top model agency that had Miss Scotland at the table, and they're all up in the dance floor. It was the Uptown Girl video, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're dancing around these models, still get the paint stained or the oil stained over. All that in. kind of stuff. But the, there was a lass who came up to me on, on Friday night. She's like, "George, come here, come here." I said, "Well, I'm on the stage. Come down here. It's, a, it's an emergency. It's important." I said, "Now, to me, an emergency, as you know." Somebody at table two said a heart attack or a small fire's broken out in the back of the hall. <laughs> no, see, Cassie, it's only you in the morning. My cousin's her pal. <laughs> Great, thanks. Can I go back now? Thanks very much. The really weirdest thing about that, Cassie's not got any pals for God's No, sake. she hasn't. And the bizarre thing is, when I told Cassie that, I, I said, what, what was the last name? She said, Charlotte. She said, I don't know. Charlotte. <laughs> Don't even know her. She just wanted to talk to you. She's probably in the moment when you're walking down, she's like, oh no, I need to come up with something. I need to say something. Next I need to say something yeah. Why are you here? Can we do a picture? Absolutely. But I, I found this year more than ever because of the COVID thing, like the parties are just mental. Because everyone's been locked up for three years, I so know. they're more than making up for it. That's, so I've, okay. that's what I've noticed. I cannot wait. I'm out this Friday, Saturday and Sunday, so pray for me. Enjoy, mate. I'll be good. How come your mum was in Wheel of Fortune? What does she do? She was the... Um, the prop buyer so if somebody won a car right. she would source the car <laughs> or if they said you know like Ross my son who's now 27 he was actually in it um, as a baby because no it was a year's supply of nappies and, <laughs> and Ross was crawling about with nappies on he better so, get sorted out with some nappies for that my wife did a bit of modelling because my wife used to do a bit of modelling when she was younger she used to like model some of the prizes and stuff mm. like this. sometimes it would come up on like challenge TV and there will be my wife from like 25 <laughs> years ago <laughs> loads of heroes shoulder pads yeah exactly with a big you could win this leather jacket <laughs> modelled by Ellen uh, stuff like that uh, it's but, uh, yeah my mum worked at STV from, from the day it started Really? Yeah, right up until about 1990. Um, right. But she's still jumping about my mum, you know what I mean? She's still... She would but... have worked with Fiona. Fiona White, do you know Fiona? Yes, yeah, I know Fiona. Jim I've... White's wife. Uh, yeah, White, Jim White's ex-wife, ex -wife, yeah. yeah. So Fiona's uh, Joint Chief Executive Big Light along with Janice Forsyth and I always hear tales of, oh, right. since, of working in Cow Cardens at STV and stuff, which is... Aye. Which always kind of makes me laugh. Because there was a big TV show when we were kids, Glenn Michael's Cavalcade, and everyone wanted a birthday shout-out on it. 
And uh, my mum was able to sort it out. Oh. And I was like, oh, I was the coolest kid. You must school. have been. I got a mention. Well, I got a mention. So I got a shout out in GBS. <laughs> <laughs> I got a birthday mention in Cartoon. I'm That's okay. Get it out of you. I'm going out on Saturday. I'm going to have to text you to get my shout out so I can I'm show off. Big shout out to Sean. So I can show off all my pals. <laughs> Wait, I'll be like, can I get one on the other every other, please? <laughs> Keep repeating it. Both shows. You've, um, you've been going for such a long time. And I'm pretty sure you seem to embody the whole thing of do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Such a cheesy Aye. cliche, but it does apply. Do you see yourself just going forever and ever? Aye, kind of. Um, I don't see... I've always wanted to like live abroad or something, like live in the sunshine. I always kid myself once, you know, eventually I'm just going to give all this up. Um, but uh, I've got um, a, a very disabled wee brother mm. who I need Alan. to... Yeah, who I need to look after. Mm-hmm. So there's no way I could ever retire and move to the sun because I've got a duty of care for my wee brother. Yeah. And my mum's like in, in her mid-80s and all that now, you know what I mean? She's not going to be about forever. So my, my priority has got to be my wee brother. Mm. So my focus is on looking after him and carrying on doing the radio yeah. um, for as, as long as I can. So as much as I would love to move to Ibiza or Tenerife or Florida or whatever, I can't really see that happening. Mm. Well, mate, you've been a, a perpetual and, and constant narrator in the background of my life and the background of oh, everybody really else's. That, well, thanks, because yeah. I'm loving your podcast, man. It's Thank great. you very much. Stuff you're doing it. It's great to see you doing so well. It's just great to see it building up and just I know, getting, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. No, and just, I'm basically just mate. trying to corner my way into as many things as I can. Quite right. And just blag it. That's what I do as well. I've been Aye. blagging it for forever. Well, you're now part of the uh, the Blethered soundtrack forever, so thank you, Amazing. mate. I've really, really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for having me, Sean. It's been great. A pleasure. And thank you for listening. And as always, we'll be back with another episode of Blethered, same time next week. Cheers. Blethered was written and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine. And for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series, including Talk Media, Natural Wonders. You could start a fight in an empty house. Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.